will fix you. Hello, and welcome to We Will Fix You, your regular dose of advice. Not dissimilar to your regular dose of fresh-milked wasp venom. And, and, and for all of those who, who worry, you, you can still keep them dormant if you switch the dance to a samba. I'm not sure why you would, but rest assured it works. Let me tell you what else works besides keeping the wasps asleep. Questions. Questions sent in particular to wewillfixyoushow at gmail.com. Yes. For today's question, I am joined by Ms. Lucy Boyce, Richard Nixon's conscience. Science claims I don't exist, but here I am. Vexatious. Mr. Dave Connery, the inventor of hotter yoga, the yoga that literally murders you. Bend more. And I, as ever, am Roger Hart, your auntie's weird Instagram feed made flesh. Hello. Today's question is about mental health. Mental health? it asks, is being talked about more these days. And it's great that we're slowly becoming more open about problems that face almost everyone at some point. The advice that people are given again and again is to reach out to someone if you're struggling. But what about the other side? How should the person you're reaching out to respond? What can they do to help? I've been in this position a few times and didn't know how to respond. I wanted to show that I cared. I wanted to help in any way that I could, but had no idea what could be done. These issues were never at a level where someone was likely to receive NHS support quickly. While I love the NHS, it's extremely stretched and minor mental health issues aren't considered a priority. So what should I do if a friend reaches out for support? Ms. Boys. So I've got a, a sort of three-pronged approach for this one. So I'd say, Number one, you know, it's, you kind of, you want to find out what would help that person the most, but at the same time it can be very sort of overwhelming when you're suffering, you know, you don't want to put too much pressure on them in terms of figuring out how to help. So I think the standard advice that you give, you know, when someone has just died suddenly or there's been a big life event like having a baby, is also good here, you know, instead of saying, what can I do to help or is there anything I can do? is not very helpful when your kind of decision-making, social ability stuff is a bit compromised. What is helpful is specific offers of help. So, number one, think about what are you, what you are actually practically willing to do. And it's 100% okay to have boundaries, things you're not willing or able to do. But if you can get a list together of, yeah, I could do that stuff in line before you have the conversation. You know, could you go over and hang out with a friend who is depressed while they clean their house or answer all the emails they've been ignoring for the month? Sometimes it just helps to have someone sitting there with you cheering you on. You know, could you initiate a gentle social activity and be clear that you don't expect them to be 100% during it? I'm taking you out for dumplings, you don't have to pretend to be happy, we can talk or not, it's up to you. That's usually quite a nice offer. Dumplings are good food for that. Oh yeah. A lot of attention, a lot of little bits. Mm, they fill you up. Is there anything practical you can do to help the situation? You know, could you research therapists, draft introduction emails, call someone if they're scared of the phone? Do you have a child or an animal that they enjoy interacting with you could kind of facilitate low stakes hanging out with? 
could you listen to them talk either in person or by email or text, sort of just inventing and sympathy rather than problem solving? You know, could you go and take them out for a walk? Anything that kind of is a concrete offer that gets them doing something that they need to do in order to get a bit healthier, that's usually good stuff. But I think also, I mean, you know, mental illness is an extremely broad category and there's not necessarily much in common, even in terms of symptoms, between one sufferer and another. What makes one person feel supported makes another one feel smothered, makes another one feel ignored, you know. So I'd say number two, have a kind of more general conversation with them, ideally when they're not feeling completely rotten, about anything specific that might help, you know. You don't want to overload them with decision-making, which is why you've got the list of things you could do, but it might be useful to figure out what actually makes this specific person feel supported. I think the third thing to remember is just don't be too anxious about crafting the perfect response, making the perfect face, giving the most sympathetic reply. The person is probably, by definition, at least a bit of a mess, and they're also not expecting you to magically fix their situation. So, I mean, again, kind of thinking from personal examples, I don't tend to reach out for support very often because I have a hard time knowing what's actually going to make me feel better anyway. But I've done it a few times and I've absolutely had to, and pretty much any kind of kind and non-judgmental response from the person was at least adequate, if not better than adequate. I didn't spend any time thinking, gosh, that was clumsy and awkward, I expected that person to be better at dealing with my mental health problems, you know, I was just glad to get practical advice or talk to someone. So yeah, don't be too nervous about getting it perfectly right, they're probably not thinking about you all that much. Mm -hmm. That's my advice. Advice for as ever. Mr. Conquery. I I agree, and I would uh, add something about maintaining relationships with these people. So I, I did a lot of looking after people in my 20s because passes the time. And the, the thing that came up again and again is that when people are reaching out for help, they often have... Uh, no no consideration of being a burden on other people's time, energy and effort. That's fine to an extent, but at the same time, it's going to burn you or whoever else is helping them out and it is going to damage their friendships in the long run, even if you are as thoughtful and considerate as you can be. When someone comes to you again and again, demanding help and offering nothing in return. It's just human nature to gradually remove them from your lives. I know I've done this with people who have been totally dependent, really, and I've wound up totally exhausted by it. And I think if I knew, as I do with hindsight, that that's what's happening, that that you reach a point where you just withdraw because you can't deal with this anymore, I would try and, and bring that into the conversation and and make long-term maintenance of their friendships part of the goal of getting through and getting better. Because if they're doing this with you and they're doing this with other people, people are going to withdraw from them. And even though they even though it's tangential to whatever advice you're giving that helps with what they're doing, it's tangential to their their problems and their, their need for care. You need to bring it up and you need to bring it up even if it's even if it feels confrontational in a way that does gradually sink in, particularly as people improve, the idea that they need to maintain some semblance semblance of a normal friendship outside of caregiving and that they need to treat people as people not just their path to feeling better or 
genuine wellness because otherwise it just it just isn't viable so that is what i would add i think it's interesting because i think it sounds like you've had a few of that type and i'm not sure that's necessarily representative of everyone who would be asking you for help but it is definitely a type to be aware it's a, of. it's yeah. a different type three off the top of my head mm. but i mean so i hear that and think God, all my fears are true. Nobody does want to hear anything about me because they will think I'm the worst burden ever. That just kind of reinforces my own reticence. But again, I, that's I, it, I, it's how your weird internal screwiness plays with the personalities of the people you're talking to. As I say, it's sort of worth it's worth um, being cautious and introducing that idea cautiously because you can take a fair hit and you can introduce it as people are getting better. I've just thought of a fourth. I always used to just end up providing free therapy to guys I was trying to fuck. That's even more pathological. It's a boner killer, isn't it? Yeah. On the off chance that anyone's listening, guys, I was not trying to fuck you. Mr. Hart? This, this question kind of scares the shit out of me because it gives me proper flashbacks. I've, I've been both people in this transaction. Uh, it's not just one transaction, you know. I've, I've been the pathological or needy one that you've referenced being a tremendous emotional drain. I've been the person reaching out. For the record, it wasn't you. Well, you're still talking to me, so I assume that either that's still to come or... Hmm. Um, the the person being afraid that they would I, I've been I've been on all of the multiple facets of, of this. I did a lot of welfare outreach stuff when I was at uni, and the one of the people that did a bunch of the sort of training, the mm. sort of we we got a bunch of active listening and just mm. really really basement grade counselling training. It was really really low level, but there was an advice phone line. I did a little bit of stuff on. It. And one of the things that you know, the early antecedent of singing the self care song was welfare people need welfare. Mm-hmm. And his, his avowed belief was that the people that volunteered to do this shit were probably massively more fucked up than anyone they'd ever take a call from. We just hadn't worked it out yet. Um, yeah, that sounds realistic. <laughs> and so I'm kind of I'm mindful of that because if you're the person that people come to and you're, you're someone that's quite happy having people come to you, until you're not, and that's totally fair. It takes so much to realise that it's totally fair that until you're not as a thing mm-hmm. you probably also need some stuff yourself this is not armchair diagnosis I think you're broken this is this is just the self-care song this is just make sure you've got places you can go caring for other people is hard it does take a toll on you yeah. with that said I think given you might need some self-care or some space and given this can be trying as Mr. Conroy says sometimes it can be draining or sometimes you just don't have time or sometimes you're just not in the mood or sometimes one of the people who's latched onto you is just a twat. Like, I've, I've, I've had that. A twat in need, but a twat notwithstanding. Yeah, I mean, a, a twat in need is still in need and still a twat. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a few more creative suggestions. Now, a very wise man once said, Boss makes a dollar, I make a dime. That's why I poop on company time. Was it Elmo? May just have been. And, um, and, and with that in mind, I wonder, what can you screw out of your organisation? Like, if you're, um, as, as some of us have, have the luxury of being a sort of well or over or reasonably employed, middle class, 20 to N something, um, you probably have... Dilettante like, child is what he means. Yes! You bitch, dilettante child. You probably have an employee assistance program. And they're on the gradually curling posters on the doors that you never yeah, see anymore because they've become furniture. Canteen or kitchen, like one of the things you don't really look at near the health and safety poster. Mm. It'll be near that thing about manual handling. There'll be a thing called an employee assistance program. And I'm not suggesting you use it. I'm suggesting you take advantage of it. Boss makes a dollar. 
can you just relay people's problems to it or give them the phone number? Like, can you palm people off onto a professional service that you don't have to pay for? Passing thought. There are probably more elegant ways of solving that problem. And I got thinking to thinking about what are the more elegant ways of solving that problem, which is you talked about the NHS being stressed. And there are services here and there and repositories of advice. There are websites and forums and bits and pieces. But people are coming to you. And as anyone who's been anywhere near software, software engineering knows, there's no problem you can't solve without another layer of indirection or abstraction, right? So what we're going to do is we're going to find some advice services like an employee assistance program or an advice website or the NHS or some kind of health service. And we're going to shove an API in the middle. Sad underscore friends dot batch. Pretty much. What we're going to do, basically, is build chatbots. Go on. People are bothering you by phone, by text, by whatever. Like, the first you need to get them into a, into a text-based medium. So if they keep phoning you, you want to like set some boundaries and say, please text me or email me or use Slack or use Skype. Skype's great. Skype recently added um, chatbot infrastructure. You can experiment with chatbots in Slack, uh, in, in Skype. And in Slack, but Skype is one. You can experiment with chatbots in Skype, and on many phones, you can install Skype instead of the main call handling software, which means that it can just pick up your texts. So this is, this is fantastic. I don't think I have ever been more inclined to argue a point with you on this show than the phrase, Skype's great. You're not wrong. It's kind of like if someone took a turd, put some more turd on top of it, handed it to someone and said, could you make it more turdy? And that person were incredibly talented at turdification. In their business of the UI. Yeah, but it does have chatbots. And that's what you need. Mm. Other places have chatbots. There are a bunch of APIs and utilities for Katana. Google has some things. The big one is um, Watson Conversation from IBM. You can also try simpler stuff. You could connect things to If That Then That or Microsoft Flow. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to concentrate on Watson because it's free to try. Um, comes with 10,000 API calls a month for free and fairly favorable billing. Unless your friends are really fucking needy, you should be fine. Or, or if they're those like assholes that are incapable of sending long text messages. You know that thing of it's, it's a, it's, it should just be a paragraph, it's a coherent thought, and you get every sentence a separate text, so your phone just keeps fucking buzzing. Drives me nuts. So unless they're, unless they're going to do that, then you should be fine with 10,000 API calls a month. So Watson Conversation is the IBM utility. It's the only one I've looked into in, in, in much detail. There are loads of these things available. Microsoft uh, Machine Learning Workbench will have some things. Free to try comes with a whole bunch of training and tutorials. A lot of the backend stuff is, or the, the way you interface it, is based in Node.js, which means that even if you're not up on the coding, there are so many online tutorials for Node.js. It's got um, front-end tooling that's visual as well. You can build conversation tools in the kind of conversation builder. Like Twine? Yeah, yeah. And so the workflow basically is that you set up a workspace and you create um, entities, kind of semantic objects, and um, intents, which are effectively semantic chunks behind the questions it's going to be asked. And then you train it on a whole bunch of synonyms and bits and pieces, and then you give it conversational flows. You give it kind of handling parts. And if you're willing to use the API, you can train it on pre-existing data corpuses. So you could run it over, say, an advice website mm -hmm. or NHS mental health services or something provided by... They you. don't have a good website or no. really a website. So you, but you could try and find an advice corpus. You could even get it to listen to all of our podcasts. That's good advice. Or you can just be really lazy and program in some basic responses and flows just to handle the um, the incoming questions. It's pretty easy to, to configure so that when someone texts you with, you know, oh, um, 
I'm feeling self-loathing again because I fucked all of those puddle ducks. I know I said I'd stop fucking puddle ducks, but I just can't help myself. Why am I such fucking trash? Nobody loves me. Not oh, puddle ducks. What's a puddle duck specifically? It's a duck in a puddle, I assume. Just ask the chatbot. Jesus Christ, haven't you been listening? We're trying to offload the questions here. Yeah, fair. fair. Got told. Yeah, fair. Um, it doesn't need to know about a puddle duck. Because you'll have fed it on duck, and it'll have done the branching and stemming and synonyms, and it'll just reply... Well, I know what a duck is, and I know what a puddle is, and I'm 36 years old and have this sort of prehistoric wetware up here, and I don't know what a puddle duck is. Yeah, well, IBM Watson will be fine. It is a lot better at Jeopardy than I am. And recipes and diagnoses. It's also got its entire vast health library, so maybe it'll even have some pre-canned mental health stuff. Mm -hmm. Watson for diagnosis is terrifying. So yeah, you can you can build these flows and hook it up to your phone, and then it'll just be like, "Hey, that sounds terrible," or "Really sorry to hear you're feeling that yeah, way." Yeah, have you considered talking to someone? It'll be so much better than like if you text me when I'm drunk or whatever. It, it it's it might be about the same as if you text me when I'm drunk actually. It, Coherence. And yeah, yeah. yeah. I, it might sometimes go super weird, and we know that a lot of chatbots can be kind of racist. Be careful what you train it on. The Facebook ones have also started talking to each other in a language that they understand, but which is not entirely grammatical English. Yeah. They shut that shit down. Not for the reasons that the headlines made out. Unfortunately not, no. That was clickbait. But yeah, I, I think that actually there are some really exciting options. There are a lot of commodity AI systems, a lot of commodity machine learning systems, a lot of commodity chatbot systems. I reckon you can find a corpus of advice, maybe this one, maybe another one, just put in your own, your own basic handling. Mm-hmm. Set up some simple workflows, replace the message handling on your phone with it, and just you know carry the fuck on with your life. A broad range of solutions. I mean, you'd have to not really like your friends and be kind of dead inside, but it works for me. And who are we to argue with that? I think we've struck a good balance between taking great caution and rushing headfirst towards the singularity, pecker in hand, wafting cock forwards to the end of all things. The apotheosis of the meeting of man and machine, or perhaps our grim replacement with the wonders of silicon. The wankers at the end of time. Fapping.